All right, so we're talking about uh, relationships and marriage, and again, that's not, it's two separate concepts. We're looking at relationships on the whole and then tying it into marriage. I'm going to go, if we get there, which I think we will today, I'm going to go to one specific marital issue today, uh, which very sensitive. When everything we've, we've done here is sensitive, and it's kind of on purpose. Again, when you preach through, get on this horse, uh, when we preach through the Bible the way we do, there are times when specific subject matters are, aren't included in the particular books we're going through. And it's very important that things that affect your daily lives that we don't gloss over, and which is why we've been doing this uh, summer class on relationships and marriage. When we were preaching on James at the beginning of last year, um, that covered a lot of these things, but then we get into prophetic books and Romans and a lot of these things that we've been discussing over the last couple of months and will continue through the first week of September aren't really covered, and these are such vital areas in each of our lives, so that's why we're taking the summer to complete uh, a couple more classes, and again, all of these are going to be if uh, somebody wants to get married, uh, and uh, those that have gotten or are getting married here, I've asked to go through the things that uh, we're teaching here. It's good premarital stuff, and it's also good relational things. And I'm talking about uh, uh, for your friends of the same sex type thing as well. Uh, relationships, family relationships, children relationships, all of these principles are uh, extremely important so that's where we're going. So we're hitting on, and I've, we constantly hit this kind of topic, but we're going to go through some very specific content today. When uh, Dr. McCarroll was here and did our family conference several months ago, he touched on some of these things. And uh, we're actually, we're going to be looking at uh, a particular book that had come out by Gary Chapman years ago, uh, Again, some people, and, and I get in trouble for this sometimes. I haven't gotten in trouble here. At least nobody's told me I'm in trouble yet. But uh, <laughs> in uh, other churches I've, I've spoken at and, and been on staff, nothing supersedes Scripture. Can we agree on that? Nothing. God's Word is sufficient. There's nothing that outtrumps the Word of God. What Gary Chapman did is he pulled together some ideas that basically, and again, this is, if you say, well, this is a real scripturally intense book, the answer is no, it's not. Uh, so I'm very cautious on recommending it, but the principles that he gives are very strong, very biblical, and I'll give the biblical side of things, but he's given uh, from his uh, wheelhouse, if you will, some very important things that will help us in our daily life with relationships and specifically when it comes to marriage, but I'll expand on some of those things. So let's pray and uh, we'll get into it. Father, thank you so much for the folks that are here this morning. I thank you for the Word of God. Thank you so much that there's, there's no doubts, there's no wondering about uh, how you wish us to treat each other, whether it's in a uh, relationship with a friend or a family member or with a spouse. So, Father, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts this morning as we go into this new topic today, and pray you'd bless our time, and Lord, help us to be open. These things are sometimes very difficult to do, to comprehend, uh, and execute. So, Lord, we just ask that you'd help us, and we commit this morning to you in Jesus' name. Amen. 
All right, uh, I'm going to start out with something kind of simple. And how many of you remember the, the little acronym WWJD? All right, most of you. And uh, for those that may not be familiar with it, uh, it's what would Jesus do? It was, I mean, it was a huge movement for quite some time. Bracelets were made with WWJD, you saw it all over uh, media and other things, really. And even though some kind of bristle at uh, the concept, uh, or the using the four-letter acronym, it, it really has a good message. And when we're looking at uh, the relationship factor here, I ask you this, what would Jesus do? And hopefully that'll stick in your mind as we, we go through this. So we're going to go through five key areas. And again, uh, Gary Chapman brings out the concepts. We're going to go into the biblical application of them. But we're looking at how do, how do people respond to each other? You can be married to someone and totally miss how to respond to them or how to actually relate to them. And it happens all the time. You can have a friend that even though you, you've got a good relationship and you're friendly, or maybe it's a child or a relative, and it's like something just as a click off. It, 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 we just don't seem to be connecting well. And what we're looking at is what are those things that God innately gifts you with? How do you respond to things? And what, if you will, is that innate, and innate meaning internal, what is that internal button that just, if you hear it, it puts a smile on your face. It's just like, man, that's, that's great. Now, I'm going to, I'll give a couple of personal things. If I want to make my wife happy, there's one thing I know that will make her happy, absolutely will make her ecstatic as long as I don't lose my cool when I'm doing it. You say, what? She loves to do projects. That is her, in the words of Gary Chapman, that's her love language. And that's why uh, uh, you'll see she's constantly doing projects at church, she's constantly doing projects at home, because that's, I mean, that just, hey, Let's, let's put up a new shed tomorrow. Ah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going, hoy vey. And uh, it's not my love language by a long shot. Uh, I, like, I, like con I like construction in reverse. I like demolition. Um, she, she, will, she likes the demolition part, but much would rather get the hammer out. And uh, So I get this. Okay, I'll tell it. So she, uh, for my Christmas present, she got me this really nice, it's called a brad nailer. It's kind of like a very thin nail, and uh, you can, it, it, it nails really nice. You want, you want it? Oh. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> so it's been sitting, it's been sitting on a, a shelf since Christmas, and uh, finally, and I told you this a week ago, so we're, we're putting up a couple of panels on our shed, and uh, I'm like, ah, it's time to break out the brad nailer, which is really, it's a nailer kind of thing. It's electronic, and it's got, uh, you know, you plug it in, and then you put it on, and there's no cords, and there's, and it's like, this is really cool. Boy, I'll tell you, I'm like, hey, hon, you want to use it? And she's like, no, nah, no. Nah. I mean, this was such a huge thing in her life. It's like, ah, I can't touch it. It's too good to be true kind of thing. And I'm like, would you please take it and punch it a few times and be happy? Anyway, so she takes it, pops in some of the brads, and oh, yeah, it's, it's good. But that speaks to her heart. 
Now she she says, Rich, come on out, let's do X. And I'm like internally, I'm going, oh boy, you know how much work I got. I got to study my Bible and blah blah blah. But wait a second. Here's here's the message behind the the mad illustration. I like when my wife smiles. Do you like when your sp- when your spouse smiles? When your friend smiles? When your kids smile? What speaks to their heart? And if that's something that's going to speak to her heart and make her happy, then it's like, all right, do it. That's where we're going today on these five different principles that we're going to look at. Why is there a conflict at times? Why do you, like, man, I just can't seem to get on the same page with this person, whoever it may be. And we're going to look at that from a scriptural standpoint. It's like, okay, we've been having this trouble for 10 years and still can't figure it out. Today, maybe you can figure it out. Maybe not, but maybe maybe you can. So we're going to start with number one, words of affirmation. All right, so there are certain people, I'm not one of them, by the way, that love to hear compliments. It just really does something internally for them. It's exciting. It's wonderful. Somebody comes up and says, hey, man, that was good, or man, you did a great job, or wow, that's you just outstanding. And all of a sudden, their face just goes, wing. The giant smile comes on because it speaks to their heart. Romans 14, 19, Therefore let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may what? Edify another person. So every, and boy, we have we talked about the tongue over and over and over again, but when we're speaking words that edify someone, in other words, it builds them up. It's a good and godly thing. Now, it's not a false praise. It's really like, wow, you know what? You really did good. Um, things just pop into my head. So when uh, uh, back when we uh, did a whole lot more before all the COVID stuff broke out, you do a lot of door-to-door evangelism, going to people's homes, sharing the gospel, and so forth. And every time you come to a home, one of the first things kind of that you'd look for is, what can I, what can I say is really nice about this place? And you walk up, and maybe they had a beautiful picture window, or maybe the stairs were just painted, or whatever it was, nice flowers in the yard. And the first thing you do, you come up and say, wow, uh, hi, I'm, uh, I'm Rich from blah, blah, blah. And uh, man, I was just noticing, boy, that, that window, boy, that is really something. Did you guys do that? And all of a sudden, they get a smile on their face, and they're like, yeah, well, yeah, you know, we, we just... And it starts to relate things. People want to hear these things. It edifies them. It makes them feel good inside. It's a good way to connect. 1 Corinthians 10, 23, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. So again, when we're looking at words of affirmation, edifying someone, encouraging them, which is not a bad thing, it's a good thing. People, many people, and all of us like to hear a good thing on occasion, right? Uh, uh, We want to hear something positive. Well, hon, uh, uh, what'd you think about my dinner today? Well, you know, you could have done a little better. On... <laughs> right? You know, okay, now, now the next time you get a pan over the head instead of a question. But, uh, and rightly so. But uh, uh, they go out of their way. They, they make something nice. They put their effort into it. What do they want to hear? Okay. You say, well, I got to give them the truth. There's ways that you can give the truth without being mean, right? I mean... Just think through it. 
Sometimes the truth hurts more than it helps, I guess. But if it's like if you can't say a good thing, what's mom always say? If you can't say something good, don't say anything at all. Switch the subject. Go to something you can't say something good about. But folks, there's, and it could be your, your relationship with whomever. It could be your actual spouse. And it's like, when's the last time I told them something good? When's the last time I complimented them on something they did? And you know what? And you're like, well, you know, we just don't seem to relate. We just don't seem to get along. Well, when's the last time you told somebody something good or told that person something decent and, and positive and edifying? Lifted them up. Encouraged them. Barnabas, the encourager. And that's exactly what God's saying here. People need to hear a good word at least once in a while. Again, there's others. It's like, yeah, whatever. I, I'm good. Uh, John R. Rice, and I told this story years ago, or not years ago, about a year ago. Uh, Steve Brown was up here. He, he could relate to it with John R. Rice. And John R. Rice always spoke like this. He was an old, uh, most of you wouldn't have a clue who he was, but he was an old-time evangelist, preacher. And uh, he said, you know, I was sitting in the car with my wife. And uh, she said, you know, John R., um, I'm not sure you love me. And uh, I said, well, you know, I told you once I loved you. If it changes, I'll let you know. <laughs> so, and of course, he was saying that in, uh, somewhat facetiously, but telling your wife or your, your friend, uh, hey, man, I really appreciate you. And if it's not your spouse, you may not want to tell them you love them. But uh, on the other hand, I tell a whole lot of folks I love them, and I mean it. Uh, it's platonic love, it's agape love, but uh, um, is it, you say, you know, do you ever tell a, a, a church folks that you love them? Oh, absolutely I do, and I'm dead sincere about it. I mean it. Um, it's, it's, it's a good thing, and you know what it's like when you, somebody comes up to you and says, hey man, I, I appreciate you, I really, I, I love you as a brother, as a sister. Man, it's encouraging uh, to know that. So, words of affirmation, First Thessalonians 5, therefore comfort each other and edify one another just as you also are doing. Well, wait a minute, are we doing it? Paul says, hey, Church of Thessalonica, you're doing a good job. You're encouraging other folks. I can tell it. When I was there, I knew that things were going in the right direction. Uh, keep it up. Keep doing it. Keep encouraging one another. Now, regardless if uh, your friend or loved one is a person that needs to hear this, it's probably good to let them know anyway. Okay, don't try to figure out, well, what percentage of time should I give them a, just do it. Just do it. The other thing I said, let it, remember I, I, one, one Sunday I kept using the words, let it go. Remember that? So there's certain things that you don't let go. You don't let go of things like we're talking about now. This is something we do, we practice, we put into play. We don't let these go. We practice them. Make sense? You know I like to hear from you. <laughs> All right. Uh, Proverbs twelve twenty five. Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. Anxiety. But a good word makes it glad. I used to, when I was at Moody, and Moody was fairly intense on the scholastic side of things. And I was taking Greek class, and I, I did okay, but, man, I would just get struggling. And, 
not feeling good and it's like I, I was I was the kind of guy and maybe you are aren't this type of person I had to have straight A's it's just the way it was straight A's or nothing so that was personal goal and man if I thought I did bad or I was struggling learning something and I knew a test was coming up you know what I'd do call my dad I'm in uh, Chicago he's in a suburb called North Riverside it's like we couldn't talk with each other in person but it's like I got on the phone I called dad and said man I'm 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 really I got to be honest, man, I'm struggling with this. And my dad would say, hey, bud, you know, just, just keep it up. You can do it. Just put your, and here's what he'd always say, put your nose to the grindstone. Never forget that one. And uh, he'd he try and do what he could to encourage. Like, just go for it. You'll be fine. Just do it. Study. And uh, anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. You're down. You're hurting. And, and life isn't good. I, ah, another story I got to tell. And I've told it here before. I told you about the lady that was having the nervous breakdown. Remember that one? No? Good. So I can tell it again. Um, <laughs> and this is a true story. I mean, and I, I hate using the word story. The word account. This literally happened. So we're at a big, giant mega church down in Indiana. Lady's coming down the hall. She screams at the pastor literally across the, uh, 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 where all the, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of people. I said, Pastor! And he's like, what's the matter? And she's like, I'm having a nervous breakdown. And, and he's like, well, what's the problem? I'm, I'm just having a nervous breakdown. I can't take it anymore. And, I mean, she's, she's upset. She's mad. She's really beside herself. And, again, totally true. And he says, come here. And uh, come to my office. She walks in. He says, I want you to do three things. Now you're going to remember some of you. I want you to go bake a cake. She's like, you understand, Pastor, I'm having a nervous breakdown. He's like, yeah, I understand. Go bake a cake. And then go buy a dozen cookies. And go buy a dozen roses. And she's like, how's that going to help my nervous breakdown? And he says, well, here's what you're going to do with them. You're going to take that cake and you're going to go to your next door neighbor and you're going to give it to him and wish him a good day. How's that going to help? Just, I want you to take those flowers. I want you to go to the nursing home. I want you to find some little old lady who's by herself. I want you to give her those dozen, dozen roses. All right. And I want you to take those cookies. I want you to find a new young mom that just got married. I want you to take those over to her. Tell her you were thinking about her and caring about her. Can you do those three things? Well, pastor, I don't see how that's going to help my nervous breakdown, but if that's what you want me to do, I'll go do it. So she gets the three things. She, she does them all, and she comes back the next Sunday. True, true story. Pastor sees her walking down the hall, and he looks at her. He screams to her, hey, how you doing? And she said, Pastor, I called off my nervous breakdown. <laughs> Big old smile on her face. Why? Because she invested in others. Others, Lord, yes, others. Let this my motto be, help me to live for others that I might live like thee. And all of a sudden, all the cares and all the words, and she went out and fulfilled this by being happy and spreading joy to someone else. You know when you put a smile on someone else's face, you know what it does to yours? I can't stand it. My spouse is happy. <laughs> Seriously? That's really a troubled marriage. Anyway. <laughs> Proverbs 25:11, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. Ah, to hear the the kind words uh, of someone. Dr. Maxwell sitting right here. 
he's called me multiple times from Florida and said, hey, brother, you got the you got the nicest voice I ever heard. It just he calls me up. I know who it is immediately, and it's like ah, it's Doctor Maxwell. First time I met him, I think is today. Uh, just a sweet, uh, loving, godly individual. His dear wife is here, of course, and uh, he'll say, "Hey, brother, you know I'm how's Union Grove doing?" And I'll give him a report, and he's like, "Ah, that's great," and give me some words of encouragement. And it's like it's like apples of gold on a plate of silver, and it's like man, that's just good stuff. So, sir, I do look forward to those calls, believe it or not. I like hearing from you, um, and, and, I, and I appreciate that. And old fellow pastor, he's invested here, and I, I heard that you were the one that got this addition up, right? No, that happened after we left. All right. Uh, but apparently you were the impetus for it, which is good. And uh, I won't tell you that Patty Lee said that, but I, that's who did. So anyway, <laughs> I think Patty's teaching right now. But great, great, wonderful lady. She really appreciated that, and I'm sure others did as well. But just being able to say that thing is just like, man, uh, uh, getting those priceless gems from someone else. Well, let's go to the second one, quality time. Do you spend time with somebody? Now, I'm a little bit more on this realm. I literally, uh, and uh, if I can get Valerie to sit down and, and put her projects away, it's like uh, uh, late at night, it's like, We've got this nice, nice couch in our in one of our rooms. It's like, you know, just sit down and be there. We don't even have to say anything. In fact, sometimes it's better I don't say anything. But anyway, uh, uh, but it's just having that quality time, being with the other person. And sometimes you don't have to say a word. And sometimes you do need to 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 have some conversation. But just having that person there. And spending the quality time. Maybe it's walking together, like on the picture. Uh, that's why the hourglass is there. Do you spend time with the other person? How do you build relationships with somebody if you never spend any time with them? What did we talk about this morning? God wants to hear from you. He wants your prayers. He wants that incense. He wants the fellowship that comes with when we talk to him, when we spend quality time with him. I'm... I. I, I I love reading this. I just absolutely love it. Every night, you know, before I go to bed, uh, spend time uh, alone, not studying, which I do 90% of the time, but just get alone, read the Bible. I love, uh, and here's, here's my thing, and some of people have asked, well, why do you got 100 Bibles at home? And, it's, and I'm not 100 years old, but here's what I like to do. I like to get a new Bible every single year because I mark it up every single year, and then I can recolor all the pages every year. But that's the way, it's just the discipline, and it's a way I can spend my wife's money. No. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but the Word of God, to spend quality time with the Lord. Now, the guy, now your, your, your people here, we have the same thought waves as God does. Why did God create males and females to start with? To have what? Fellowship. God said, I created the heavens and the earth, and it was good. I created the cattle, and it was good. And I created uh, uh, um, the trees and the rivers, and it was good. And God looked down at man, and he said, it is not good. <laughs> but I left out the next part of the verse. It is not good for man to be 
alone. And God said, listen, I need to make you, I need to make you something that will put a smile on your face and uh, you'll be glad to be with them. And God said it wasn't good because man was alone and man needs fellowship. And God said, I created man in my image and you think God needs fellowship? Do you think God needs fellowship? Oh, yes. uh, yeah. And you know who he wants it with? You. That's right, you. And it's the same thing with any relationship. Spending quality time with that person. You're like, you don't know how busy I am. Folks, and I'm not saying this because it's me, but growing, my wife and I, I've worked probably, and she will attest to this, so I was bivocational my entire life up until two years ago. Sometimes 16, 18 hour, 24, 30 hours without stop working. Some of you are there. That's not good for the family. It's not good to build relationships. You say, what's the biggest regret you have about that? Well, here's what would happen. And I'm going to teach you what I did and maybe it will save some of you from going through some of the struggles that I had to go through because I worked so much. So I get in, and most you know, I was in law enforcement, so I get in my squad car, I work second shift, and my kids, of course, they're, um, they're in school first shift, daddy's gone to work on second shift, and then I'd come home and go to court or go to church work that I had. And I get in the squad car, and I pull over, and on occasion, I just lose it. You say, why? Because my heart was broken. You say, why? Because I, I didn't see my kids this week. This week, It's not just a day or two. Sometimes it went a week. I had to wait until the weekend when I'd, I'd, I'd skip going to I wouldn't go to sleep that day. I'd stay up so I could see the kids. So am I recommending that lifestyle for everyone? No, not at all. But it's a warning. Be careful about uh, uh, that particular issue and figure out how to have quality time. Proverbs 18.24, a man who has friends must himself be friendly, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You can't stick close together with somebody if you don't spend time with them. Matthew 26.40, then he came to the disciples. Jesus comes to his disciples and found them asleep and said to Peter, what, could you not watch with me in one hour? Hey, uh, can't you... Can't you sit up with me one hour? Can't we uh, uh, have a coffee for one hour? Can't we uh, go and have a milkshake together for an hour? Can't we uh, maybe sit outside for an hour or take a walk? And, and, and God looked at his disciples and said, Would you guys wake up? I, I mean, I need you for one hour. I'm in a desperate time. I'm, I'm having a tough time. And Jesus chews the disciples out because they fell asleep on him. He's like, I want to spend time with you. I'm going through a tough time. I'm going to the cross in a few hours. They didn't get it. People have needs. Hebrews 10.25, not forsaking the assembling of yourself, ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. Obviously, this is talking about uh, attendance with other believers. Uh, it's very strong verse as to why we meet on the first day of the week, why we have church. And boy, I tell you, I need you. And you need each other. We need, we all need each other. How important it is. Uh, and you say, well, Brother Rich, are, are you a legalistic guy that says you should be in church every Sunday? No, I'm a Bible-believing guy that thinks you should be in church every Sunday. <laughs> and we should. If you're out of town on vacation, God bless you. You know, obviously you can't be here. And I totally understand that and encourage that. Uh, but boy, don't, uh, uh, that internet thing, I, I love it. And boy, we reach a lot of folks with it. But uh, 
Don't substitute the Internet for coming to church. Man, it, you, you need to be here. Now, some folks can't. You get sick, and some folks have serious illnesses, and they watch, and God bless you. I'm glad you watch, and they don't want to be here because they could uh, infect others or get worse. But quality time is so important. Genesis 2.24, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Again, we're on the marriage side of things, but you can't be one flesh if you aren't one flesh. Got to communicate, got to be with each other, got to spend time with each other. Genesis 3 8, God says, Listen, here's why I want to have fellowship with you. Verse 8, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And God calls out, Where are you, Adam? Here's what was going on. Before sin entered into the world, before Adam and Eve sinned, they would walk with God in the cool of the day. God would come out and say, Hey, Adam, hey, Eve. How you doing? And they'd have good fellowship. They'd spend quality time together. When sin entered in, what happened? Poo! They disappear. Hey, Adam, hey, where are you? Well, we're hiding because you did what? Yeah. So it was sinful for them not to meet with God, and they knew it. Interesting, isn't it? Receiving gifts. See how many people are smiling. All right. Proverbs 18.16, a man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. There are certain people that absolutely love getting gifts. Small gifts, big gifts, whatever. Now, obviously, you've got to stay within your budget. Don't do something that's going to bankrupt you. But if you have a, a friend or a relative, uh, 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 it's very important sometimes, just give him a little gift. Maybe it's a, uh, you know, a, a dollar item, maybe a couple dollar item. Maybe it's something you made if you can't afford anything. But people like to get gifts. I prefer to give than, I'm not, I'm not a real good gift getter. I'm just, it makes me almost feel uncomfortable sometimes when people sacrifice and I appreciate it. And I always tell them I appreciate it and I do. But it's like I'd much rather give. And some of you are like that. You're givers, others, man, I just, I wish they just give me a little gift. And it's the way they express love. Check this one out. Proverbs 21, 14, a gift in secret pacifies anger and a bribe behind the back, strong wrath. A gift given in secret pacifies anger. Remember when I started out with about sometimes people get upset with me if I recommend a book that is something beyond the Bible. I had an individual like that, good guy, uh, at, a, at another church that I was uh, working at. And he came up to me after a, a class and he said, Pastor Rich, why are you using that book? And it was a particular one. doesn't matter what it was. And I'm like, well, I said, it's got some good stuff in it. I think it's helpful. It's, it's, good, it's a good read. It's got things that will help the folks. And he says, I totally disagree with you on this. The Bible is sufficient. You don't need to be carting off these books trying to get people to read this other stuff. And I said, well, and he was passionate. I mean, really passionate to the point of where I almost had to put him in a headlock passionate. <laughs> I would have done it in love, but I didn't. <laughs> so I thought about it, and it's like, boy, this, this poor guy, I mean, he is really upset with me. So here's what I did. I went to the store. I bought a nice gold cross pen, and I sent it to him. I didn't give it to him. I sent it to him in secret. He got that pen, calls me up, Pastor Rich, yes sir, how you doing? 
Well, I want to apologize. For what? <laughs> well, you know, I was a little out of sorts with you the other day, and I haven't changed my stance. But I was out of sorts. I shouldn't have behaved like that. I'm like, hey, buddy, I love you. And I did. He's a great guy. I still love him to this day. And I'll still put him in a headlock if we get no. But... Uh, <laughs> Now, with all seriousness, you know, sometimes it just takes a gift given in secret to somebody. They're out of sorts, and it's like, how in the world am I going to win them back? How am I going to make them happy? And it's like, well, how about doing what the Bible says? Give them a gift in secret. And sometimes it works, and God uses it. Receiving gifts, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. God gives gifts. For by grace are you saved through faith. It is not of yourselves. It is the, it's a gift. You say, well, that's, um, it's pretty biblical, isn't it? Giving gifts is biblical. God knows how to relate to people. So he talks about giving gifts. It helps. It makes people happy. It's a way to relate to folks. Number four, Valerie, it's your turn. You can come up and teach on this one. Acts of service. Being a servant. Helping other people accomplish things. So I put up some nasty pictures here, like doing the dishes, raking the lawn, putting up pictures, building homes, and uh, folks, and you know who you are. There's some folks in here, I mean, you, if, you, if you're a friend or your loved one said, man, let's, let's, go, uh, let's go do whatever, and you're just like, man, that speaks to my heart. Let's go out. Uh, there's a couple of ladies here uh, that uh, I'll, I'll be coming in the door and, uh, down here uh, fixing up the, the little garden that we have in the walkway or, or, or uh, trimming things out in front or over by the ministry center. They just love doing it. I remember Adrian sitting right here, and uh, she'd get out. I'm like, how in the world did she do that? She gets out the, like almost they're like scissors, tiny little things, and she'd go over to the ministry center, put a chair down, and sit there and painstakingly trim those bushes. And do you like doing that, Adrian? See, she loves it. And I got a new pair of clippers for you. No, uh, but, <laughs> but it, it, it's like it speaks to their heart. It's an act of service, and they love doing it. And sometimes they want us that aren't really acts of service oriented to help them do the acts of service. And you know what it'll do? Boing, puts the smile on the face. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. For you, brethren, Christian, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love do what? Serve one another. Service is a great godly thing that we can do. And others, this really, really speaks to them. Mark chapter 10. Then they brought little children to him, speaking of Jesus, that he might touch them, but the disciples rebuked those who brought them. Talking about physical touch now. Now this last one gets into a very, very difficult area. Physical touch. This especially right now during the COVID things has got to be done very cautiously, carefully, and understand where some people are coming from. I have personally in that lobby made the mistake of coming up to someone, putting my hand out, which I... I do all the time. I mean, it's just who I am. And all of a sudden, I see them retract because they don't want to touch. And that's perfectly fine. But it's like, pull back. 
they're not trying to be mean. They're not trying to be inappropriate. They have a particular conviction. It's like, I don't want to be passing germs. I don't want to be touched. Keep your hands to yourself. And that's fine. But you got to understand that. Some of us are a little more hands-on, if you will. But it's got, boy, you got to be careful. And uh, I, the last thing I want to do is offend somebody by that. Then they brought the little children, and, and, and they used the word there is literally touch, that he might touch them, uh, to connect, to bind, to apply oneself to, to literally touch, refers to such handling of an object as to exert a modifying influence upon it, upon oneself. So again, done in a good and a godly way, physical touch, shaking hands, patting someone on the back, uh, um, in a home relationship, now I'm talking relationships that aren't marital. You've got to be very careful. And, I, and again, I have to be extremely careful. I, at times, a, a lady will come and I'll, I'll pat her on the back and it's like, you know, I'm, and then I think about it, I hope I didn't offend the person because it's like there's certain people that have been brutalized, that they've been, uh, a physical touch to them is almost repulsive based on some of their backgrounds. And it's like, you try and think through these things, and, and it can be very difficult. But uh, uh, again, it's one of those things that some people really relate to. Now, we're coming up on the end here. And do we have any children in the room? I don't see any. All right, so I'm not going to get very graphic, but we're going to be very cautious in how we approach this. It's Scripture. I'm going to go out of the relationship issue and I'm going to go to the marriage relationship for a moment because it's a huge issue in many marriages and a problem in many marriages when it comes to physical touch. Again, this is not for friendships, it's not for dating, it's not for engagement. We're talking about marriage, period. Do we understand that? Do we understand that? Thank you. All right. I've got to keep waking you up. Anyway. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. Now concerning the things of which you wrote to me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. What are we talking about here? We're talking about an intimate relationship. All right? Nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife and let each woman have her own husband. What is he saying here? He's saying, listen, men... And why does he hit the men? Because the men are usually the aggressors. It changes on occasion, but men are usually aggressive in this area. He says it's good for a man to keep his hands to himself. But it's okay if you put it in the marriage scenario. Let the husband render to his wife the affection due her. Now we're talking hands-on now. But we got to be careful. And likewise, also the wife to her husband. Now, I don't need to get graphic here because you all know exactly what I'm talking about. Render to each other, if you will, and I hate to say it this way, but it's the best way based on the context that we've been going to. Render to each other to make sure they have a smile on their face, that they're happy with you, that your relationship is good, that it's solid. Verse 4, the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Now, folks, that's not politically correct. <laughs> I think we should take chapter 7 out of the Bible. No, we should. Unfortunately, the 
secular world has corrupted God's perfect way of doing a marriage. And the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Not abuse. Did you hear me? Not abuse. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. You say, well, wait a minute. I thought the man always was the, the leader and the woman always had to be the submissive one. That's not what my Bible says. Men and women have to work together on this issue, meaning husband and wife. Not dating couples, not engaged couples, not people that are dating. You say, ah, you old fuddy-duddy fundamentalist. No, I'm an old fuddy-duddy Christian. It's Bible. And it's hard. And it does not match our culture, does it? Absolutely does not. Totally the antithesis of the way people want to live today. So, you say, well, why do you bring it up if you know people are going to get mad? I don't bring it up to make people mad. I bring it up because it's going to save you a mountain of heartbreak down the line. I can't tell you how many people have violated this before marriage. How many of them have ended up in their marriages falling apart, multiple marriages, multiple divorces, and just their life falling apart. You say, so why are you telling us these things? To try and keep you from having to go through the heartbreak that others have gone through and, and that they're suffering through. It's tough. When you break God's principles, it has horrible repercussions, especially in this area. So I say it kindly. I say it lovingly. If you've been here, if you've violated this, folks, there's really almost no way around this, but you've got to get in to the pastor's office and start rebuilding the life, rebuilding the relationship one brick at a time because it can destroy your relationship. And that's the last thing we want. Verse 5, Do not deprive one another except with consent for a time that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and come together again so that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Now, folks, this is, again, please, I know it's a sensitive area, I really don't like going here, but I'm going to go here. How long is it appropriate for a husband and wife to say, I'm not in wanting to do this today. I'm not willing to do it tomorrow. I'm not willing to do it for a week or a month or a year. And God gives you a little clue as to how long you should be separated. Do not deprive one another except with consent. That's mutual consent. If mom and dad both say, not feeling it, and the other person says, you're right, I'm not feeling it right now, let's, let's just hold off for a while. God bless you, if you really mean it. Otherwise, if you want to give yourselves to prayer and fasting, let me ask you this, how long can you pray and fast at a time? Jesus went how many days? Forty. All right. I'll give you 40 days. Then you better have consent. She got awful quiet. I must be waiting that 30 minutes before the trib comes. <laughs> See what I'm saying? Depriving the other person, it's ungodly. Be quite forward. All right, let's finish it up. But I say this as a concession, not as a commandment, for I wish that all men were even as myself. He Here's what Paul said. He says, you know what? He says, I'm, I'm, so, I'm, not, I'm not married. 
I, I got the gift of uh, celibacy. I don't need all that. It's, it's all good. I've had other men, ladies that have come to me, and they're like, you know, we're celibate. We're happy with it. We absolutely don't want to go into a marriage relationship. And Paul says, good for you. You've got a gift. Use it. Be thankful. Uh, I had a, a man recently who said, you know, I just, I, I'm so focused in on serving God that um, God bless you. Folks, I'm going to be real honest. I don't have that gift. Most of us don't. But some do. And God bless them and thank God for them. Did we make enough? Did we say enough today? But I say to the unmarried and to the widows, it is good for them if they remain even as I am, but if they cannot exercise self-control, what is he saying? If you're going to violate the marriage contract, if you're going to go outside of marriage, you better find a spouse, you better get married, and you better have intimacy with that spouse. That's it. It's pretty simple, right? It is. All right, finally, well, we're out of time. I better stop. It's 22. So what are we saying, folks? Therefore, okay, I'm going to read it real quick and then we're done. Therefore, if there's any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Okay, I'll hold hands when we walk down uh, the street. Ah, yeah, I'll, I'll help you hang that picture. Oh, yes, we'll sit down tonight and we'll, we'll watch a, a, a show together. Ah, uh, uh, yes, ah, man, you've done such a good job today. Ah, man, I, I can't believe how good you've done. And you practice these things every single day, taking yourself off the top of the uh, platform, putting the other person up, encouraging them in lowliness of mind, encouraging that relationship. Let each of you look not only for, not out only for his own interest, but also for the interests of Others, don't have a nervous breakdown. Go bake a cake. Go buy the flowers. Go get the cookies and give them to somebody else. Maybe your friend. Maybe your spouse. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself. Jesus Christ makes himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, a slave, and coming in the likeness of men, and being a found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself. God said, I'm humbling myself. I'm getting off the throne. I'm humbling myself. People, you're up there. I'm down here. I want to make you happy. Folks, others. Lord, yes, others. But this my motto be, help me to live for others, Lord, that I might be like thee. Father, lots of material, lots of concepts, some things that might make us feel a bit uncomfortable, but Lord, they're so important. You put them in the Word of God for a reason. It's to help us build relationships. It's to help us build marriages that work. So, Father, for those that have gone through struggles and heartbreaks and uh, difficulties, Lord, help us to look at that as forgetting those things which are behind. I press forward for the mark of the high calling of God. Put it behind us, put it under the blood, and move forward. And help us to be what we need to be today and into the future. And we'll give you the praise, the honor, and glory. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God